0: the early churches establish. Well, I guess it is just, it is a part of what's going on in the early church. I read verse 31 because actually it's the second of six kind of progress reports in the book of Acts. There's another one in, in chapter 6, verse 7, and there are others where where... Dr. Luke just keeps on coming back. In in chapter six, he says, So the word of God spread. The number of disciples in Jerusalem increased rapidly, and a large number of priests became obedient to the faith. And then here, it's like another little progress report, verse 31. Then the church throughout Judea, Galilee, and Samaria enjoyed a time of peace because they'd been persecuted. It was strengthened. And encouraged by the Holy Spirit given at Pentecost. And it grew in numbers, living in fear of the Lord, awe, reverence for the living God, a proper recognition of who God is his power, his majesty, his enormity, his authority. I wonder, do we have this fear of the Lord? Are we awed by God's might and majesty and yet his mercy and his love do our lives reflect a fear of the Lord do they? I could stop there actually couldn't I? some of you might say yeah go on then (laughs) but I could stop there do our lives reflect a fear of the Lord the God who made the universe breathed it out The same God, when life got hard and Peter went into that room, he got on his knees and he prayed. And then he said, Tabitha, get up. Wow. Are we in awe of the God we worship? The narrative of Acts leaves Saul for a little while. We've been introduced to Saul, seen his conversion, amazing conversion, and his encounter with Jesus, and returns to what Peter's doing in this little passage. And in there, there's a couple of words, which I think, well, they brought awe to me as as I looked on them and reflected on them. There's a couple of words that I think get behind the awesomeness of somebody being healed from his his paralysed state and somebody else being raised from the dead, which are amazing. But there's a couple of words that seem to me to get right behind that. Verse 32 is the first of them. Peter travelled about the country and he went to visit the saints in Lydda. Some of you might have different translations, might, might read the believers there. Anyone got anything other than the believers or the saints? The Lord's people. The Lord's people. So different uh, English translations translate it differently. But actually, this same word, and it's there again in verse thir- 41, where it's translated in the NIV as the believers. That word in the Greek, in the original text, is hagios. Now I used to get called haggis at school because I'm a Scot, but this is Haggius, which means the holy ones. So in verse 32 and verse 41, same word. The holy ones. The other word that I think is amazing is disciple. It's used of Dorcas in verse 36. And then some of those who came to Peter to tell of her death in verse 38. The saints and the disciples. Why are those words so amazing? Let's just have a look at them. When we hear the word saints, what do we immediately think of, Rob? Southampton Football Club. (laughs) Absolutely, the saints. Southampton Football Club. Or maybe... We think of saints as, as kind of amazing people captured in stained glass windows of great cathedrals. People that have, have been just unbelievable in their service of God. Maybe we think of St Peter and St Paul and St Luke. You know, the, the untouchables, they're so amazing people. But actually, these hagi'us, these saints, these holy ones, were the people in Lida. Ordinary people like you. Ordinary people like me. What made them? extraordinary what's God's mercy and love for them God's action in the world that made ordinary fragile frail human beings like me and you set apart able to come into God's presence and not fear his judgment, but fear and awe and reverence him because he made us. These saints were ordinary men and women. Former Archbishop of Canterbury, Rowan Williams, once said this, a human being is holy not because he or she triumphs with willpower, over chaos and guilt to lead a flawless life, singing ethereally. But because that life shows the victory of God's faithfulness in the midst of disorder and imperfection. See, I begin to see a wonder behind the wonder of those two miracles. That in the midst of the pain of illness, of infirmity, even death, all that was going on for those human beings 2,000 years ago, that we see human beings who are holy in God's eyes. And Luke is giving an account of the church. So often in the media, marred by imperfections that are picked up by the media, and actually, often understandably and rightly picked up on. But the church was being established and lives on today, is God's plan A. For his continuing rescuing plan for the world. God intended the ordinary people of Lydda and Joppa and Jerusalem and coming to Fifehead and Langport and and all around here and all around the world. He intended the church to be a part of his rescue plan for the world. Rowan Williams goes on to say that the church is holy. Not because it's a gathering of the good and the well-behaved. Not even sure about that. But because it speaks of the triumph of grace in the coming together of strangers and sinners who miraculously trust one another to join in common repentance and common praise. Holiness is like this. God's endurance in the middle of our refusal of him. His capacity to meet every refusal with the gift of himself. We, we are seen as holy by Almighty God. Not because we are good. And not because of all the things that we, we might seek to do. Stuff that we might think, well if we do that we'll earn God's favour. But because of his sheer undeserved generosity. Generosity. His grace. Let me just read to you a lovely illustration of what grace is. When a person works an eight hour day and receives a fair day's pay for his time, that's a wage. When a person competes with an opponent and receives a trophy for his performance, that's a prize. When a person receives appropriate recognition for his long service or high achievements, that's an award. But when a person is not capable of earning a wage, can win no prize, deserves no award, yet receives such a gift anyway, that's a good picture of God's unmerited favour. That's a picture of grace. God's grace is what brings these people to a place where they can be holy. It's what makes us as much as those people in Joppa and Lydda, just 30 miles northwest of Jerusalem 2,000 years ago, that's what made them saints. because they were disciples. Another funny word, but it means followers of Jesus. That is an incredible wonder that those people and we are saints. Now, please don't misunderstand me, because I'm not focusing on the healing and the raising of the dead. Those things are incredible wonders. Moments that in an unimaginable way reveal the might and the majesty of the living God. Things that still happen today when God so chooses to act in this world, in this age. God can still heal and does heal and even raise the dead. There are amazing signs of the kingdom of God breaking in that pointed, if you notice, in both instances. They pointed straight back to God. They didn't make Peter. Into a better person but they brought people to their knees and we need to anticipate and expect God to work in in the miraculous as well as in the what we feel is the ordinary but what I want to concentrate on today is that there is wonder upon wonder upon wonder upon wonder, upon wonder, upon wonder, upon wonder, sitting in this room today because of God's grace. There's example after example of God at work. Each one who recognises our sin and has asked forgiveness from Jesus, who desires to walk in his ways. That is a wonder of God's grace, that there are saints and disciples sitting here on the 1st of December 2013 in Fivehead Baptist Church. We might well look on In awe at Peter. And yeah, let's give the guy a break. He was pretty amazing, wasn't he? He was a faithful guy. He messed up a whole load. But he kept coming back and coming back and coming back. And being obedient. And God used him mightily. I've already referred to it. But verse 40, what does he do? In verse 40 he got down on his knees and he prayed. Now, Peter had the privilege of bodily, physically walking with the Lord Jesus. He also had the trauma of seeing him nailed to a cross and dying. But he didn't finish his walk with Jesus the day that Jesus ascended to heaven. He carried on walking with Jesus. And as he served him, he got down on his knees and he looked to heaven, and he prayed. And God used him. How will God use you this week? Will you get down on your knees? Either metaphorically or actually physically, will you get down on your knees each day And rely on Him as you go out to work, as you go out of your room and face your family, as you go into the places where you go to shop and to socialize, to study and to work. How will God use you this week? Maybe it will be in a miraculous way. Please, Lord, let us see. Let us hear testimony of God's amazing, miraculous working in our lives. Please, Lord. But maybe he'll use us in the ordinary every day. Look at Dorcas. She was a faithful, loving servant of God. Recognised in scripture, verse 36, always doing good and helping the poor. The widows stood around uh, with Peter in verse 39, weeping and showing him the sorts of things she did. She just used her gift to make clothing. Now, if I was to make clothing, it wouldn't be a gift. But each of us, have gifts that we can use to the glory of God. Will your life, your work, your words, maybe your absence of words at times, your actions, will they point towards God? And his grace working in your situation. (coughs) If you're anything like me, you probably feel far from holy a lot of the time. If we're honest. You probably feel far from holy. Far from being a saint. But as you come continually to the Lord Jesus. In faith. He makes you holy. He restores you and blots out your sin. And he draws him to yourself, you to himself. We were going to sing a song that we kind of ran out of time for Purify my heart. Let me be as gold or precious silver. Purify my heart. Let me be as gold, pure gold. Refiner's fire, my heart's one desire is to be holy, set apart for you, Lord. That doesn't mean that we sit kind of in some isolation, in a pious little room somewhere, never touching the world, when we are holy, holy. And set apart for God. It means that God's wonder is working within us and enabling us to be the people He made us to be. I choose to be holy, set apart for you, Lord. There is wonder in the reality that God wants you to offer your ordinary, everyday, waking, eating, working life as worship because of what Jesus has done for you. Perhaps you need to stop just now and and just marvel at what Jesus has done for you. Perhaps you need someone just to talk through what that actually means. Maybe you need in these moments just to think about your week. Where you struggle to let God shape you. Where last week you felt, oh gosh. And you're going back to that same situation again this week. Why don't you commit that? To God. Ask Him to help you to transform your heart and your attitudes as you go into that situation this week.